0: Welcome to season three of the Change the World podcast. I'm your host, Sevya Kohn. As CEO of 14 Minds, a marketing agency that works exclusively with Jewish nonprofits, I am a first-hand witness to the incredible physical, spiritual, and emotional services these organizations provide to our community. However, I also see the many challenges they face along the way. This season, I'll be speaking to incredible nonprofit leaders who haven't let any obstacles get in the way of their mission to change the world. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm here with Yaakov Langer, who is the popular and well-known host and producer of some really well-known shows in the Jewish community, um, podcasts, Let's uh, on his Living Lachaim podcast. I'm a big fan, and I've listened to many of them. So, Yaakov, thank you so much. I'm really flattered that you're taking the time to do this with me today.
1: Sure. It's an honor. Thank you.
0: I'm excited to put you on the other side of the mic. I think you're probably not used to being the one being interviewed, right?
1: Not ready. I was about to ask you your favorite mitzvah, so I'm totally not ready for this. So let's do it.
0: I'm not ready to answer that, so we're just going to keep going with my question. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, great. So I want to ask you to introduce yourself, but before that, I'm going to give a drop of background about how this conversation came to be. Um, I've been listening, like I mentioned to your podcast, and I'm a big fan, especially of the That's an Issue podcast. I really enjoy it. Um, but it never really crossed my mind is, you know, interviewing you or any referencing between what I do and what you do. And then I posted on LinkedIn about prevention in the Jewish community. I work on a lot of projects that feel like crisis management, where it's just playing whack-a-mole with one tragedy and one trauma after another. And we're just chasing those with no real solutions. And I thought that as a community, we can be doing a lot more. And that post on LinkedIn really resonated. I got a lot of feedback on it. And Yaakov, you were tagged a couple of times um, for your work on the Living L'Chaim podcast. And it really changed the way I thought about what prevention could look like. I had been thinking about it very formally, like training, education, courses, health screening, PR campaigns. But those tags made me really, really realize that, wow, podcasts are the perfect conversation starter, perfect way to you know, address prevention by just bringing the conversation into the firm community. So that's how this happened. Yapo, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we like dive in?
1: Sure. I'm Yapo Langer. I'm youngest of four boys. Great. I have great parents. Grew up in Flatbush. I lived in, I went to Yeshiva in Israel for Four years, went back married for two years, lived in Farakway the past six, seven years, just bought a house in North Woodmere, which I, I think that's where you live.
0: Yes. Welcome to the neighborhood. Thank
1: you. And yeah, started podcasting three years ago. It is and still is a, a hobby. Um, I, I full time do marketing for a law firm. And I, I think that's good. I mean, I could give you my like shit resume. It's probably more <laughs> than here. I don't know. I don't
0: think your wife would appreciate it. So, yeah,
1: I don't know <laughs> if it's really so applicable, but um, I think that's a good background on me.
0: Okay, perfect. So for anyone who doesn't know, can you tell us what Living Lathayim is and how it got started?
1: Yeah, so Living Lathayim, so I, I used to, I started a podcast with Naki Gordon three years ago, Meaningful People. I did that for two years. A year into that, I started something called Living Lathayim. It was clear that like, there's so many inspirational people that exist, but I saw in the, the non-Jewish podcast world, there was so many podcasts and just niche conversations being had. And honestly, after we interviewed Naftali Horowitz, I was like, this, I, I don't know what's there, but there's there's a whole show with him. And I actually approached him, I said, I want to turn you into the Jewish Dave Ramsey. I was a big Dave Ramsey fan. Dave Ramsey for people who don't know. He's he's an incredible financial advisor. But the problem is he's giving financial advice to like non-Jews in middle America. and when they say they make $70,000, he's like, oh my gosh, you're like so rich now. And you know, if you're living in Long Island, you're making $70,000, a few kids in yeshiva. It's, it's like never like, oh my gosh, you really need help. Well, so this didn't apply. So Naftali, cleverly, very smart. Like he's like, I don't budget myself. Dave Ramsey's all about budgeting. He's like, I just make sure I make enough money that I don't need a budget. I'm like, that makes sense. How could you be giving people advice on that? So he connected me with Zevi Woolman. He's part of a million organizations. You definitely should, should interview him. He totally yes. to yes, um, do it.
0: Yes, and,
1: and it was great. Meeting Zevi was, was, was the perfect match. And I already even had the name of the show, Kosher Money. And it was clear my brother wanted to do a podcast on business. I'm like, Ellie, the business is nice, but I'm telling you, there's something here. And uh, that's where Kosher Money started. And that's where like it was the first show of Living with Chaim. And just slowly, we, you know, I, I started a show with Charlene. I thought there's, there's a bigger need for women representation in, in our community. And I think Charlene's awesome. So like, hey, Charlene, here's a podcast. Go for it. Just say your ideas, you know, help, help inspire women and men. And then uh, that's an issue. And then I, I did Solo Inspiration for the Nation and we have a show on music and we have a few shows in the work and and living time officially is, is a non-for-profit and that's how we got started
0: why did you choose to make living with time a non-for-profit
1: so at first for the first year it was actually a business a friend of mine highly recommended. he's like you don't know what's going to happen one day maybe netflix is going to want to buy it imagine if like you're successful there or spotify and i'm like listen i hear i'm doing it because i'm passionate about it i think there, I, you know, I grew up watching so much content not made by Jews. And I'm like, why can't we make good content and, and not to throw anyone under the bus. I think there have been some great Jewish content creators, but there's not enough, honestly. Uh, you know, I think when it comes to business, Jews are great. When it comes to understanding Torah, we're great. When it comes to art, you know, in Hollywood, if you're not, you know, Orthodox, they're great. But when it comes to the Orthodox world, we sink at it. And, and every single Curious persons like, oh, so you do how do you make money from the living time? It's always like, oh, you're clearly doing this for money. And I'm like, nope, not I and mean, then maybe one day it'll be my full time, but right now it's it's a total hobby. I'm doing it because I'm passionate about it. I like it. It, it gives me fulfillment. So that's um I don't remember your question.
0: Why are you made it a nonprofit?
1: Oh, yeah. So we made it a nonprofit. So as I was doing it, thank God I I had a few close family friends that were like, Hey, we love what you're doing. Like, do you need money? And I said you know, money's definitely a great vehicle to help get it out there more, market more, hire people to take care of the tasks that I've been taking care of and literally drowning with, but someone else could help. So therefore I could, you know, scale. Like I, I want to do, you know, I, I think I tweeted like I have 12 show ideas, but to be honest, like I want to do documentaries. I want to do kid shows. And I, it's definitely not sustainable for me to have a full-time job, do all of this, And until now, no creator, no podcast host, whether it's my brother or the Kleschicks or myself, we haven't been taking salaries from it. So there's definitely this idea of like, hey, the more money that people could give us, the more ability we'll have to create. But I still, I didn't even collect yet. I know, like I had a few family friends, they they helped uh, give money so I could honestly market it. And it's been great. But I think this year I have to really like double down and and go into fundraising mode, which is totally not my style, not my thing. But I love living with fame. And and if this is the next hat I need to wear, I'll, I'll wear it.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think the feedback has been, from what I see, tremendously positive. So I don't think the fundraising would be that difficult. I think people get the mission and they're going to want to be involved. But I'm curious, were you surprised by the feedback? How quickly it took off?
1: I was surprised by the total enthusiasm and curiosity from non Jews. I mean, I, every single show is like, I want to create shows that help Jews from Jews live a happier life. Like it's too long to go into like my full backstory, but like, that's really the heart of it. Like we have time. (laughs) I listen, I grew up and and I grew up with, in in a great loving, you know, home. Parents are amazing. But there was a certain point when I was in Israel that I was like, hey, I'm just not so happy. I wasn't depressed, but like I was doing everything I had to do. But like my life consisted of so many rules. Again, it wasn't, it was more, it's just something I imposed on myself, but like I did everything because I had to. And I was like, wait, Judaism and all these rules and laws, it's like there to help us live a better life, live what we're meant to live for. So I was like, I want to create a network that helps people do that. Whether And and there's so many difficult challenges that an, an Orthodox Jew has. So whether it comes to financial mental health or just being inspired or kind of for women or music whatever it is I want to create content that helps from people live a happier life and Again, I forgot your question, but I was leading towards.
0: Yeah, no, you said a lot of really important things there. I, I wanted to. I, so I asked about whether you were surprised by the feedback. The Jews. I, I'm I'll, surprised that you're, you went to the non-Jews. The yes. Latin
1: but Jews. yeah, exactly. So I'll, I'll finish up. So I, I thought it would be helpful for the Jews. I, and honestly, I don't think there's that many content creators in the Jewish world. Like there's awesome people like Shlomi Zions or Jake Turk. They're doing amazing things, but there's, there, there should be like a thousand more of us and there isn't. So I, I thought like get capturing the Orthodox Jewish market would have was going to be easier, which which it has been. But then when you put out, when we put out kosher money, just tons of non-Jews were like, feed us. We want to know more about this. Like, can maybe stereotypical like Jews and money, but like, probably not the intention. But what happened and and is continuing to happen. Living the chaim has turned into like, thank God, it's all from Hashem. Like a kiddush Hashem machine that like all these non-Jews that either did not like us or they really didn't know much about what Jews are. They're finding us. And they're like, hey, the Jews have a lot of really insightful things based on the Torah about financial advice, about just mental health or or just meeting incredible organizational heads or people that have gone through such crazy challenges. Like, hey, the Jews aren't as bad as a lot of people make them out to be. So it's still not my goal to be like, you know, trying. I mean, I, I, Kiddush Hashem is a great byproduct. I still want to create content for Jews, but it did, that I was completely surprised by. the not think that they'd actually care about what we had to say and, and they're eating it up
0: because that happened. Is there anything you feel like you don't want to say because it's kind of like airing our dirty laundry to
1: No, it? So I've always been creating the content knowing once you put on YouTube or you put on podcasts, but YouTube more particularly, it's just easier to be exposed. I always knew anyone could consume it. I, I figured there would be some form of, you know, people coming that it wasn't created for. So I've always been creating um, for everyone and anyone to see and, and I don't, and at least from that's an issue, I, I think I've been seeing that like we might have problems, maybe tweaked to a little more of an extent, but at the end of the day, if like you're a human, you have problems. Like we, we have challenges, they have challenges. Maybe sometimes our challenges, you know, we don't have, um, you know, it's a lot easier if someone's poor in our community to help them. That's not as much of a challenge. And maybe the reverse of it, we have a challenge. Sometimes people who are wealthy in our community to flaunt it. Like, it's a little different, but at the end of the day, everyone has the same type of challenges, more or less, you know, even, even like, you know, let's say someone in our community, someone's, uh, you know, grows up in Orthodox home and then wants to leave that home. That's not a, like, if you're from the Muslim world, that concept completely exists, you know, like, it's, there's a lot of overlap just being a human, I think.
0: That makes a lot of sense. But your core audience is the from Jew.
1: Yeah. That's I for kosher, but I'm not even sure it's, it's. That show has such a big audience. It's probably 50-50. But yeah, the core audience overall for living the time watching most of the shows is an Orthodox Jew. There's also a lot of like reforming conservative Jews, like trying to learn more about the faith of, you know, or, or from our perspective, which which I'm very happy about. I mean, I'm happy about all of it. But yeah, predominantly it's it's Orthodox people coming and watching and listening.
0: So I want to go back to what you said about the rules, right? And I, I think that resonated with me a lot. I think that our generation, I don't, I'm not sure what the age difference between us, but uh, our, our approximate generation is, it's hitting us now that maybe the brand we were sold was not the most joyful. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of uh, movements around that, like the Thank You Hashem movement and the neo Hasidas and all that trying to bring it back. So this is a very interesting approach. I didn't think of it, I thought of when I reached out to you about prevention in terms of financial crisis, because that's a lot of the projects I deal with that are helping people who are already, you know, so far down into crisis that they can't really, they just need immediate relief. Right. Um, And then that's an issue the mental health crisis. But I didn't even think of, you know, the the more inspirational podcast, I guess, like the one with with Charlene, that's also prevention, right? Because if you're reminding people of, or actually teaching them for the first time, what the joy in Judaism is, and there's a lot of things that could be prevented down the road, depression, burnout, kids going off the turf, right? Is that where you're going with this? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, different shows serve a different purpose, but there's so many, like even, let's say like my, the show that I host, Inspiration for the Nation, my goal is, like people say, like, what type of person do you get? The goal is always to get people from a certain super wide array. Like I literally, yesterday, I'm not sure when this is airing, but yes, and I'm airing the episode I did yesterday, um, this Matzay Shabbos, which is rare because I have like 20 ready to go, but I, I like particularly it struck a chord in me so I'm like, this has to be released. I just recorded with two non-Jews. They're living in LA. They're black. They're like blown away by Judaism. And they're so drawn to it. So I have two people that literally like their love story started in a club and they're devote Christians and they're like finding the beauty in, in Judaism. And then I'll, I'll do Mendy Reiner started renewal, which is responsible for 18% of the altruistic kidney donations in America. It's like, there's so many different kinds of people in the Jewish community. And I want people listening to know that, that you, you could make a difference. Okay. I don't know if you'll be, you know, having such a massive impact on like making a kiddush Hashem, but you'll, you have your own story. You could really find yourself. You have, a, if you exist, you have a purpose. And that's the goal of that show. And, and like Charlene's show exactly what you said, like, She's a Jewish mother. She's obviously very popular, but she's running a family and there's so many beautiful moments in Judaism that people easily just look by and say, yeah, okay, Shabbos again. I stopped working. And, but like, no, no, wait, you have such a a great opportunity. And like, I know the stresses of tuition or paying a mortgage or just dealing with challenges, depression, mental health, whatever it is. There's a lot of that, but there's a lot of good. And we, we have the blueprint to live life and it's the Torah so like you mentioned before I I always say like the Holocaust isn't over it it was terrible what happened but the residual damage that it's been doing to I'd imagine we're probably similar in age but they're like our parents generation where so many of them grew up in a home that was so like we have food on the table that's all that like it's incredible like we could keep Shabbos like it's incredible but that basically taught them that like hey, you have to work hard, which is incredible. But at the same time, like that ability to enjoy life, like I, I grew up with, with everything. I had everything. And still it was like, hey, we to tap into like the challenge of going to school wasn't a question for like my parents or grandparents generation. Cause like, they had to like fight for everything. My brother's coming in. Am I talking too loud? No. He loves talking. I love talking. Do more. I'm getting interviewed.
0: I like listening. It's
1: okay. He always tells me, by the way, he gives me feedback. You're talking too much. Let them talk more. And I don't disagree. But now I'm finally getting interviewed. I, I, I could talk. But
0: I would stop you if it wasn't interesting.
1: Okay. That's fair. <laughs> okay, that's Wait, great. do you have any questions for Kosher Money?
0: I have a lot of questions. But yeah, we'll do
1: yeah ask for one question for Ellie for Kosher Money what? once he's here.
0: Okay. Question for the Kosher Money podcast. What was the one thing that surprised you from feedback that you got on various episodes? What, what was the one piece of feedback that you got that totally surprised you?
2: One piece of feedback that totally surprised me going mm-hmm. in. So nothing nothing comes to mind. Nothing really comes to mind in terms of like surprising piece of feedback. Oh, I didn't think the, 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 the podcast would do this well. There's there's something about money that resonates with people. Like, I, I didn't realize everyone has, needs money, you know, like... Really? Yeah. That was a surprise. That was shocking to me. And that everyone's emotional attachments and needs are all very different. So different episodes speak to different people, right? Some people are very passionate about life insurance, and then you'll hear someone write four paragraphs about a seminary episode so that was interesting to me in that not as like going in i thought like a single episode everyone would, would react the same way emotionally to a particular topic but it depends where you are in life like we're working on a shaddacham episode so you know for someone whose oldest is 8 years old it might not resonate with them but someone who's going through that parsha or you know seminary someone who's going through that there's much more emotional trigger to that. So that has been interesting to see. And another thing is now that I think about it, I thought going in, okay, maybe there's like 20 episodes to talk about. There's so many nuances and different topics to talk about. And even if you do an investing episode, there's like 500 different angles you can go at it. Uh, So there's no shortage of content. Um, At this point, I think kosher money, I'm spending more time on it than my actual job. So that's been interesting to me. But it's been it's been a learning experience. Every every episode, I learned something, and I feel like we're just getting started in this journey. It's funny. Right. You're like you talk too much, and then you're like, oh, I have a question. It's my parsha. Okay, bye. Okay.
0: That's why you both have podcasts. Right. sense. You have to be able to talk. No, but right. it's good. Right. I like to listen. That was a good answer. Okay, but let's let's go back to our conversation for a minute. Right. Um, no, I, I I definitely connected to what you said about being a grandchild of Holocaust survivors. It was like, how do any of us even get to complain, right? Right. But because we have so much, you have the mental capacity to say like, hey, what is this all for? What, you know? Yeah. What's the point? Why are we doing this? Just just because you said so, and if, because we don't, we're going to burn in hell. Like there, there has to be a better reason. So right. yeah. Which, which is like
1: what you said before, which is like, I think why there have been many movements of people let's say, like, again, like you said, like, thank you, Hashem. It's like, I, I think that's kind of what their vibe is and Hasidus of like, just, you know, really just tapping into that idea. But but honestly, like, I, I think this isn't a new struggle, meaning this, I literally do not think I'm like talking about Torah in this episode. But like, this has been the argument between Yehuda and Yosef. Yosef like always represented logic and thinking and that's, his thinking got him to you know, become the king of uh, or whatever, assistant king of, of Egypt, Mitzrayim. And then you have Yehuda, who's someone who's completely passionate. And and he, you know, he he, he made a mistake, but he owned up to it. And he was, you know, going to fight Yosef to save Benjamin, And he's all about passion. And like, it's that argument, literally since then of like, should we live life with more logic or with more emotion? And Clearly, it's, it's some form of blend, you know, like when Mashiach, there's going to be Mashiach from Yosef, Mashiach from Yehuda, but in the ultimate, Yehuda's going to win out. He'll be the ultimate Mashiach, Mashiach from Yosef will die. But like, I think that is what, you know, Judaism is like blending logic, leading with logic of like, why am I doing, okay, things have to make sense. But once things make sense, you have to put in your passion. You have to live with that emotion. And if you don't, otherwise, if you just have the logic, it'll become stale, it won't have any flavor and you know, the reverse. Also, if you just have flavor and there's no Torah learning and thinking, then it'll just be like a free-for-all. So like you need that mixture.
2: And that's my answer to the question. Yeah.
0: I hear that. I hear that. And I know that the, the feedback has been very positive. I'm curious and I wouldn't be surprised if the answer was yes. Was there any negative feedback? Did you get anybody saying you shouldn't be talking about this? You shouldn't be hearing this not appropriate. Have there been any challengers?
1: There's never been one specific challenge of like you shouldn't be talking about this like as overall which i was surprised about i thought i get some form of pushback zero in that regard here and there there's people that you know have a complaint about a particular type of episode um i was a little surprised whatever we were featured in in a newspaper weekly in lakewood and then at a certain point they said someone from that paper suggested you know, oh, you did an episode on, on you know, um, I did on Inspiration for the Nation. I thought it was incredibly uh, important to have Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz. We did an episode on abuse uh, prevention, molestation prevention. And I got pushed back from them that like, I don't, you know, children are listening to this. We don't know if it's too early for them. And I wasn't going to fight back and say like, that's the, I want them to hear. Like they should know that if they have, you know, a family member in their life that's a little too creepy. Like you have to mention that to your parents. And, you know, I, I didn't fight back with them, but I was a little surprised by that. You know, that they, they, again, when I say they, it was like one or two people that wrote in about that. So I, I'm not, I'm not saying that's the entire lake. What I was a little surprised about like that. I don't know, I think closed mindedness of not understanding the need, uh, unfortunately in 2023 to, to help, educate our children to help prevent and it's literally statistically proven the more educated children are in that world in that topic, the less they are taken advantage of. like a fact. So I was like, hey, I' I'm, I'm that specific episode. I'm looking to help prevent children from getting abused and molested, but like whatever it is like, you know here there I, you know different I think the Orthodox world is made up of very different people. And, and different people have different opinions and, and that's fine. And, um, my, you know, it, it doesn't stop me. Like I still want to be super wide ranging with topics and different guests that we bring on to the network.
0: I'm not surprised by that. And I think that's the beauty of what you're doing is that nobody really can tell you what to do. I think that the problem we had maybe until recently was that what was communicated to the Jewish world was primarily through print. And the print media has a lot of constraints because they do have to cater to the most right wing, to the most sensitive, otherwise they get a lot of backlash. And that's the world I operated in for many years. And you can't do this, you can't say this. Right. Words, these pictures are unacceptable. Now podcasting opens up this huge audience that has none of these restrictions. So I think you have this incredible opportunity to kind of say whatever you want. Yeah,
1: it's it's really scary. And and I confided with Rabbi Center about this, is my Rashiva, and he's very... And I went to Yeshiva for so long, but like, I wasn't even so close with him when I was in Yeshiva. I was close to like my Rebbe, Rebbe Victor. I actually got closer to him as I left Yeshiva, as I was like in this space. He's been very helpful and um, a good guide. And I was just venting to him that there's so many people on Instagram. This is like, you know, when I got back from Israel, I'm like, I'm on Instagram and I see so many people just earring whatever they have to say, and they're just either entertaining or very loud. And then all of a sudden they build an audience. And I saw that as a negative. I saw that as like, okay, traditionally what has been built up, there was some form of a system of some form of control with the internet, with social media, everyone could say anything. And I think it's a very scary thing. Like I, I, I think there have been many flaws in the system. And like literally what I just said now with the whole abuse prevention episode that got pushed back, I totally think there's a negative there, but I also think it's very scary. The internet has become the wild west. Anyone could join, could say anything, could do anything. And I definitely wanna be part of that force that's saying and doing the good thing. Um, Cause there's, you know, people aren't blind. You go on Instagram, there's a lot of people saying and doing things that it's like, hey, that doesn't represent Judaism or Orthodox Judaism. It's I think it's very scary. And I it's crazy that me, just a thirty-year-old schnook could build this up, and it's scary. Like, what if? I think I have my head on straight. I, I have, I have, um, you know, people that I talk to and and get advice and a dracha from and, and get feedback from, and and I, I, really take it to heart and I, I listen to them. But imagine someone who's like doesn't care and they have an agenda. I think it's very scary. It's very scary.
0: It's true. There really is almost no barrier to entry in the podcasting world.
1: No barrier. It's so. For anyone, I, I, the most common question I get is like, I have a, I want to start a podcast. And I'm like, it's so easy to start a podcast. To yeah. seeing the podcast, to market the podcast, it's a whole nother game. But anyone could just buy a mic and just, you know, put it on wherever they put it on and boom, anyone could potentially listen to it.
0: But I think the way it resonated with your audience speaks volumes because you were saying something, you were reading a conversation that everybody was just waiting to hear. They were waiting for someone to be brave enough to do it. So, you know, if it's this like fringe, crazy person talking, they're going to get that fringe population following them. But this is something that really appealed to the masses because it just wasn't being done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a blessing that we're able to just put out content that people are like, Hey, I would really like to listen to this. It's great. My mindset has always been to find a hole, find something that I feel like it's not being dealt with or spoken about properly. And, and just, just, delve into it so that's literally the how kosher money uh that's an issue charlene like that's how those shows were created again it's not to say that no one's talking about mental health there's so many people doing it but i don't think it was done in the context that that living kind of did it of like husband and wife she's a she's a therapist she's a psychologist he's a lawyer he has nothing to do with that talking to psychologists or people that have gone through a mental health journey. And and I don't think it's been done in that raw way or even kosher money. I, and I've seen so many, you know, what Boksham copycats since we started, no one's been talking about it in the way that we've been exploring it. It's, it was taboo and it still is some form of taboo, but like no one really dealt with that. Like I, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure like I, we start kosher money, like a few months later, I saw like Mishvata having like Jewish gelt or something like that. I'm like, what is a gelt. I'm like, Okay, like listen like I was honored started
0: the conversation. I was honored.
1: I'm like, hey, great, we're making impact. And is like, hey, we want to like tap into this. And I think that's great. I think it's great. I, and I, I encourage more. like I want I want more copycats. If I have some form of audience, I think other people could give their own flavor and create, I think we need more content. I, I don't see other podcasters or other shows as truly competition. I mean, it is at the end of the day, but it's also like let the best man or woman win. That's great. I think we need a hundred more shows tomorrow. So by all means, go for it.
0: So I think the most powerful thing you're bringing to the table is just that people know they're not alone. Whatever whatever topic you're talking about, for the first thing, they can be like, oh, other people have that same struggle. I, I don't think there was so much of that opportunity just because you read, you know, one Mishpach article here and there. This is like a whole gamut of topics of people saying, oh, you know, maybe I could reach out to help because this is not something that I alone struggle with. So having kind of stumbled into that, maybe intentionally, but not knowing the the real need for it, do you feel almost a responsibility to kind of like take it further? Like what, what's the next step in your mind?
1: I don't feel a responsibility to take it further. Right now, the first goal is to sustain what's been created. It is incredibly difficult to do that. And which is literally why like my brother's been very helpful in terms of just like giving me because he built a great business. So I don't necessarily have that background. And ultimately, I guess this is a business. So it's just pushing me to like scale and try to hire people. Like it's not, I'm a creator. I'm not an entrepreneur and I love creating and it's, it's in my blood. But when it comes to like, you know, managing and doing all of that, that's not who I am, but I want to do like so many more shows. Um, I think, I think what you said was really, you know, on target that it's so easy, just human nature, you, you. You see another family, and you're like, they have everything. You know, they probably have an amazing marriage. Their kids are all happy. And if you're a human, it's just it just parallel with you have challenges. Like that's what being alive is. That's what life is. If it was so easy, Mishyap would be here in a second. So Hashem created you, you have challenges, whether it's someone's challenges, they're working on their marriage, they're working on raising their children, they're working on financially supporting their family or or, or any other mental health challenges are going through. Everything I said, anyone listening, you have a few of those things that I just said. Fact, it's just the reality of living life and life is going through those challenges. So it's human nature to see others and say, oh, they have a grace. But just you know, I think the older people get, they the more they realize, like, wait a second, every person has their own world, and you don't you you don't know what they're going through. And okay, you have your challenges, but that is the challenge. I just and then released that. Yeah, I had Rabbi Yoni Fisher. He said that, and it was such a good point of like, your challenge is knowing your challenge. That's it. It's not to like get a, get rid of your challenge, cause that's what Hashem is for. But you have to just say. This is my challenge, and let me live in it, and let me work through it. That's it. That's your goal—to just work through your challenges. I love that. In terms of next steps, um, mm-hmm. I definitely—I have my eye on. It's—it's it's too premature. It probably won't happen for the next, you know, few years. And I really have to like do this way longer. Is I, I definitely want to uh, do documentaries. I think I don't know of too many orthodox documentaries coming out. And I think there's a lot of power to documentaries. It's totally different than podcast. Podcast to me is like, get a mic, start it up and go for it. minor editing, but like not much. Documentary is the opposite of like, we have a story, we're trying to get to the truth of it. There's different sides, you know, in, in a certain way, documentary is like a form of like a modern piece on Gamara. Like Gamara is like, we have something, there's two sides. Let's tease it out, let's figure it out, and get to conclusion. And sometimes the answer is takeo. and that's what documentaries do. So I think that's a form of media that the orthodox world really could benefit from. But, you know, I don't know much about it. I mean, I've watched a lot of documentaries, but that's something I really want to do. And um, something I'm starting in this, this year, we already started recording, is I want to come out with more kids content. You know, I have a son, and, you know, no shame on the other kids' platforms. I think they're great, but I think we need more. I really think we need more. And um, I want to come out with like really good kids content. That'll-
0: I really like both of those ideas a lot. I think that the documentaries, I think particularly, I don't know if you like you picked up on the newer style of documentaries that like the Instagram and YouTube generation has brought forth, but it's a style of documentary where the narrator is actually part of the story. Like the more old school Type of documented. The narrator was behind the camera, interviewing people and kind of weaving the story. But now you have like I don't know if you've seen the Montana Tucker one on the Holocaust, and Nas Daily, where they insert themselves and you're seeing the story through their eyes. And I think that you would be great at that. So, I
1: don't know. I look forward to seeing that. I don't know if it would, if I. I mean, maybe, maybe. I um. I definitely have beef with sometimes I see certain podcasters. Like for me, like I look at it as like I. Like, I don't have a low self-esteem. Like, I built up a great platform and I'm happy for that. But at the end of the day, like, I a lot of times see myself as I'm curious. I'm asking questions. I don't have, like, a, a particular agenda. And I see sometimes podcasters, like, giving their two cents. And it's like, it's fine. Some of them could. Like, let's say, let's say, like, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg. I think he's great. He's a tamakacham. And I, I, I think when he gives his two cents, that's great. But then you have other podcasters, like, giving their own two cents, like, I'll give myself an example. Like, who's Yoppa Laker? Like, I I, listen, I I think I'm valuable enough to give myself an opportunity to ask questions. But like, when it comes to like, actually giving like my sock on like a whole big thing, I get like scared. Like, I don't think I'm the right guy for it. So like, I I get worried. Like, I don't know if I'd be the one in the documentary. Maybe, who knows? I I didn't honestly think about it. I have a topic, I don't want to like say it, that I'm like, I think we're all so confused on. And like, I, I don't even know how to define it to Jews or non-Jews. And I'm like, I want to do, I really want to do a documentary on that. So that's, I think that's where I'd start with. And uh, I think
0: you being naturally curious positions you for that because I think people appreciate that. You're not just asserting yourself, but you're exploring and helping them find the answers. I think that's the whole. Maybe. If, if, I, if I
1: end up doing it, I'll give you the credit, but um, <laughs> I, won't, I won't do it unless. You don't I'm, have
0: to, I'll definitely watch.
1: I have a few of like my rabbis who are like pro and like, I, I really do trust, trust my revamp. Like I, I love them. I think they're so smart and I think they're, they're really, yeah, they're really great. So I'm lucky.
0: That's important to have. That's for sure. And I, and I definitely, I, I appreciate that about the kids. I have a 12 year old daughter and I also, I don't think there's enough out there that she could listen to that's appropriate that she's actually learning something from. So I would listen to that one also. So before we wrap up, I know this is probably going to be a hard one for you. Do you have a favorite either episode or story from an episode that you could share with us?
1: When you from living l'chaim or from inspiration for the nation,
0: you pick your favorite of all times, or or if I could rephrase the question. If somebody hasn't listened, then you could say go listen to this one episode. Which would it be and why?
1: Yeah, I mean
0: Continue on the spot, I didn't know.
1: Right answer. And literally, what came to mind. There's two that came to mind. One is my conversation with Eliza Bulo. She has an organization called Core. Uh, maybe Shinsphere. I don't know. It's oh, um, it, it <laughs> help women have a stance in the community and make an impact it's incredible that's why she wanted to be interviewed but then i looked into the story and she's someone who's a GRS. she had a son who was was depressed and had just other just very serious mental health issues and in the end trigger warning her, her son committed suicide and long story short her husband is no longer religious but she's religious and they're happily married just her talking about navigating life and like falling in love with Hashem and just being appreciative of Judaism, mm-hmm. at least on Tishav, like that, it, it, it like, it blew up. And I've been podcasting for a long time. Like the, the I, I said the audio downloads for a, the video, not as much, but the audio downloads, like it blew up. And I think it really struck a chord in so many people's hearts. And um, I don't make my wife listen to episodes. That is one of the episodes I made her listen to. Um it was, uh, yeah, she has a beautiful story and, and she's such a strong person. So yeah, definitely go listen to Lisa B. Lowe. I mean, I gave away a lot of it, but it doesn't do justice. Like listen to her talk about it. And like people listen to are like she's on another level. Like she's not, I, I thought I'd be crying through it. I wasn't. She was so powerful. It, it's great. So that's one episode. And I think another episode, it's my biggest episode to date. Uh, with Lipa Schmelzer, Lipa, everyone know not everyone, but most people know Lipa Schmelzer. He's like you know the Hasidic singer. He started with his own Gelt. Oh, uh, maybe you have and cost your money. but he's he was like really you know popular. And then like something happened. He started getting more modern. Long story short, from what I understand, is he's a guy that rose to fame very quickly and and came from a house that there was there was forms of abuse and he really struggled. And he, he, he probably got famous too quickly and everything came crashing down. He got divorced and I don't even know how observant he was. And he hit the lowest point of his life. And he, with, with the help of, of friends and family and people who love him and really saw his potential, he built himself back up. And I think it's such a, it's like the ultimate form. Like I probably should have released it during L like it's the ultimate form of chuva of someone just really finding themselves. I, I think that's what chuva really is. It's not like, oh, you did a bad thing and now you have to do a good thing to make, like chuva the word it means return. Like he really returned to his true self and um, he's been thriving since. And, and that, that has by far been the biggest inspiration for the nation episode. I've, and honestly, from I used to do Meaningful People. It's, it's the biggest episode I've ever interviewed someone and, and he was so authentic. And I think that really is an inspiration for the nation. And, you know. Wow,
0: that's beautiful. No, I'm going to check out both of those. I don't think I've heard those. Um, okay, I have one last question for you. Again, I'm probably putting you on the spot a little bit. Sure. So my audience is mostly people who work in the nonprofit world. They either run nonprofits or work for nonprofits or have some relationship. That's the audience I build myself because that's my clients, my marketing agency. So they, like I mentioned when we started, really are crisis mode constantly, like they're dealing with, and and I'm in many cases, I'm really talking about life or death, like, and they're really stretched very thin. They're wearing a lot of hats and they're amazing, incredible people. If there was something that you can tell them as being someone who has the potential and the ability that you're focusing right now on the prevention side of things, if there was one message you would want to give them, not taking away at all from any of the things that they do, but just to maybe think differently about the way they're approaching the problems in our community. Is there one thing that you would want to give over?
1: Yeah. One thing I, we didn't touch on, and I think it was in the LinkedIn post, I actually want to bring out is sure. one of the impetuses for kosher money was the fact that I went on WhatsApp and we saw status after status, Neba, of like, fundraiser, this person didn't have life. And maybe this will answer the question. This person didn't have life insurance. It doesn't say that, but it's clear they didn't have life insurance. And Neba, they, they passed away. And here's a mother with her seven children or a father with his three children. And And of course, unbelievably, like they raised the money very quickly, but it was like, is there a way to solve this problem of, you know, people, can I stop people from dying suddenly? No. For getting sick? No. But is there a way to educate people in, not in a form of education, but in even an entertaining way that they could understand the importance of life insurance. So we don't have to run into this challenge. Like, am I gonna stop the problem? No, there's unfortunately to be people that died that didn't have life insurance and that's gonna happen. So that was one of the impetuses for Kosher Money. It wasn't like, okay, let's make a show on life insurance. No, let's, this is, if you, the root of it, this is a money issue. A lot of people don't, don't even have enough money to get life insurance. But what if we did an episode not even with a life insurance person, but someone who brokers towards life insurance people. So there's no bias over here. And have a conversation of like, how affordable life insurance is. It really is. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure in the five towns, there's, there's very generous, wealthy people that would even pay for half of people's life insurance if they can't afford it, which is really beautiful. Um, but I think, I think if more organizations focused a little more on storytelling, than selling themselves, they would benefit more. And I run into this a lot when organizations try to come on Inspiration for the Nation. And, and it's, you know, I've, I've been interviewing people for three years now, and I tell all of them, I say, you, and, and, and I have so many people reaching out, don't reach out, I mean, you could reach out, but okay. like, I have so, I have too many. But like, the, you will sell yourselves the best when you storytell have, I will push at the end. I will tell people to donate and give and, and, and give their time to your organization. But, you know, come on. And like I did friendship circle, which is, it was great. He came on and he just told stories about things that they did. And that's, that was perfect. When organizations get out there and say, we, and of course there's a time and place to say, hey, we need money for X, Y, and Z. That's fine. But when you could, become a story. Everyone wants to hear stories. Tell people about the beautiful things that you're doing and don't even sell. That itself will sell. And any, you know, I interviewed um, Bone Olam. I was adamant. I was very, and I'm very proud of myself. I was adamant she had to be there. I said, him is is part of the story. It's both of you, you know, unfortunately, they never had children. Biologically, you know, they, they have a lot of children from Boney Olam, all the thousands of children being born. But it was a story. It wasn't about Ill in particular is about their journey going through and struggling, and even if your organization had that, you know, you're helping, you know, raise money for for people in Flatbush, and you yourself aren't struggling. That's fine, but there's so many people that have a story. Try to get out there and tell your story again. It doesn't take away you have to fundraise. I get that, but but don't. It's I think it's just good advice for a lot of um, companies. Like you have to sell for sure too, but one of your best. Options for selling is storytelling.
0: I could not have prompted you with a better answer. Like oh. that, was, that was such a good answer. And I, I, I know we're, I'm supposed to be trying to wrap up, but I have to say, I did a whole episode on this topic because what I find these nonprofit leaders and founders are so obsessed with, and I, I know their intentions are good, but the privacy of the people they're helping, that they, they just go on and on the privacy. We want to protect the privacy. And because of that, they become these insane secret keepers, we're not telling people. They're just saying, you know, they're stats and, but they're not really telling people what we're doing. So people don't support them. And they, like I said, they have good intentions but they're feeding into the stigma of like, if you, if you can't talk about it, then no one's talking about it. And you protected the privacy of one but there's another 20 people who probably don't even know that you can help them because you didn't talk about it. And now they're suffering in silence and they don't know where to reach out. And it's this whole negative cycle of, of there's a whole stigma around sharing. And I, I think that talking about it is the most powerful thing you can do. Just it's it's not so bad. People, we don't have to say names, but it's yeah. okay to need help. It's so there's okay a to here.
1: other side of like, you know, people who are being helped, they don't feel comfortable and like you're using their child or them as like the advertisement. And I think they're they're looking at it in like the old school way of like, yeah, Listen, if any person is not comfortable with sharing their story or sharing their name, of course mm-hmm. don't share it. But you're doing your organization and honestly you're doing your potential people that you could help a disservice by not sharing. You know, I'm not really in the, I mean, I have a living with time, but, and I interview organizations, but there's one organization that I have nothing to do with, but a family member of mine, I'm going to keep the street, is involved with trying to help them thrive and, and, you know, whatever. They want to help them. They're passionate about it. And this place, Rift uses to use stories about, people and in any capacity. And I was like there and I'm like, what are you doing? And and, and they struggle every single year to raise money. And I, and again, I, I don't, I haven't raised money for myself even, but I'm confident they will raise $500,000 if they just opened up about like how they're actually helping people. But yeah. you know, they keep it a secret and no one knows and it's taboo and people don't even know what the organization does. So it's like, you know, I I had to like, just walk, I was so heated. I'm like, I have to walk away. Like you're, I I was very upset. I still am upset, but.
0: Yeah, I I can appreciate that. I mean, we're, clients will come to us and expect us to market their organization with no content, no pictures, no stories, no nothing. (laughs) What do you you want me to say? Right. Right. It's like, what do you're telling me? Like I have a jewelry company. Can you market my jewelry? But we, no pictures. (laughs) I just just describe it in theory that you're missing. Yeah. Right. Okay, we're going to wrap this up this week. I feel like I can go on for another 45 minutes, but um, I really appreciate you taking the time to discuss this. It was really, really great. If somebody wants to reach out to you, whether to find out more about Living Lachayim or if they have an idea for a topic or anything else, where can they reach you?
1: Sure. They, they could send an email to hi, hi at livinglechaim.com. I manage that email. They could go to livinglechaim.com, That's where you could suggest. We're always looking for advertisers. Do you want to advertise? If you want to be on the podcast, if you have someone that you that you know should be on the podcast, and if you want to consume it, literally just on any podcast platform, type in "Living Lachaim." Lachaim is L C H A I M. There's no little thingy in there, so it's cleaner, looks cleaner. Or you go on YouTube, type in "Living Lachaim," you'll find our shows there. Right now we have five shows, and hopefully this year we'll have a few more. And I think this is just the beginning. And I, I could confidently say, like at this point. We're so wide ranging that you might say, That's an issue is not for me, or Kosher Money is not for me, or Inspiration is not for me, but Charlene show is for me. The Spirit of the Song is for me, or that particular episode is for me. There's something for everyone, truly.
0: And I, I highly recommend it.
1: Thank so, you. Thank
0: you very much. I appreciate it. Right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Change the World podcast. If you have any feedback or an idea for my next episode, or if you're a nonprofit leader interested in learning more about how 14 Minds can help your nonprofit, I'd love to hear from you. Just send an email to syphia at 14minds.com. For more nonprofit content, follow me on LinkedIn or visit 14minds.com.